Hey, SCF Student Ministries, Devin here, excited to bring you our new series uh, that we are going through, uh, which is really just a look at the Old Testament and some of the questions that we may have. This is going to be um, bigger questions, right? We might look at some of these these uh, big life questions, right? I mean, it could be anything, and we're going to have the chance, uh, or you guys are going to have the chance to really ask anything you want, but this could be things like, will, ever, will humans ever live on other planets? Is there a way to dis- decrease wait times at amusement parks or lines or whatever it is. Uh, will we ever have a cure for every sickness uh, or why is pizza so good? It could be any of those things. Um, be thinking about something that you wish you knew, uh, some ideas that you might have, uh, some questions that you might have, right? Um, do you remember how imaginative you were when you were little? And maybe you still have some of that, but typically some of us lose or most of us lose some of that, right? Like we're typically so imaginative as children from creating imaginary people to pretending, pretending to be a superhero, a princess or astronaut. Kids have great imaginations and maybe that's why kids are so good at asking questions. Uh, who has little siblings that ask all kinds of things, right? Um, our brains are amazing and imaginative things. They allow us to wonder and get curious and think critically. Uh, but sometimes our brains get a little stuck when we're under pressure, right? Have any of you played that um, egg game? It's a it was like a TikTok Instagram reel trend um, where you have two people slapping. Uh, there's something covering the egg, and you're slapping. And if someone picks up the cover, the other person has to stop themselves, otherwise you'll break the egg. Um, so it's it's funny how our brain all of a sudden decides to quit working when you're pressure under pressure like that right as brilliant as our brains are they can get a little confused or stuck when we're facing a challenge um, or a hard question of course there are other more serious questions as well uh, sometimes our big questions inspire our imagination and make us wonder about their answers but other times the questions leaving leave us feeling stuck or confused um, so at home where you're at Uh, Wherever you are, just think about, I'm going to ask a few questions and think to yourself if this is true for you. Uh, Have you ever felt stuck on an exam question? You know that feeling you read the word to the question or the words to the question over and over again, hoping that something triggers a memory, right? But your mind is blank and you have no idea how to respond. Uh, Have you ever felt that way about big problems in the world? Maybe you can see an issue in the world, but you can't make sense uh, of it and you don't know how to respond to it um, and we, we see all these big problems like world hungry world hunger uh, people without accessible clean water violence and war uh, natural disasters people without medical access um, homelessness and addictions are all these big problems facing the world right and lastly has a problem in the world ever left you asking questions about god especially when we see hurt and pain and suffering in the world around us we might start to wonder why god hasn't done anything about it um some of you have had this question but you've stifled it because you thought you weren't allowed to ask but you absolutely are uh, some of you haven't thought about it before and that's okay but this is your uh, invitation to engage your imagination, right? The world is full of a lot of hurt, so it makes sense to ask the question and to wonder when people are hurting, where is God? I mean, throughout human history, there's been so much pain and suffering. We've seen the Holocaust, slavery, world wars, sex trafficking, pandemics, and so much more. It's impossible to live in this world without in- 
countering tragedies like these, right? If you see all these tragedies without ever wondering where God is, you might not be paying attention. Um, if you're not curious about the questions because you think you know the answer, you might want to rethink that. Um, and if your brain sometimes gets stuck on this question, don't worry, mine does as well. Um, I think anytime that we go through some sort of like personal tragedy or maybe someone close to you is going through a tragedy and so you can see it through their eyes. Um, but every time you go through that, I think it's n- completely normal. And I think most people actually do ask the question at some point, like, where is God? Um, where is he in those moments when you feel like there's there's no one there, right? Um, it, it, it can impact just a lot of people too, right? So it's not just you. It, it, you can feel it in a group of people. Where is God? Um, in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a story about a young woman named Esther. Uh, you may have heard her story told before as a story of bravery and sacrifice, and that's all true. Uh, but there's another layer of the story I want us to look for today. And so, as we talk about the story, I want you to under or I want you to wonder about the question: Where is God? Uh, so our story begins when Esther, who's a young girl, was chosen to become queen of Persia. Esther was a Jew, but most people didn't know that, and the king of Persia certainly didn't when he chose her to be his wife, uh, really when she was kidnapped and kind of enslaved, right? Um, one of the king's key advisors was a man named Haman. Haman was a racist political leader uh, plotting a mass execution of every Jew in the kingdom. And it was pretty scary stuff. A lot different than the VeggieTales story, right? Um, but what's even scarier is that he got the king to agree to this. Um, Esther's cousin Mordecai learned about the plan and knew he had to act. He urged uh, Esther to speak with the king to stop the execution and to rescue the Jewish people. Um, so here's what you need to know about Esther talking to the king. This wasn't a typical like conversation between a husband and a wife. I mean, no one, and this includes Esther, was allowed to speak to the king without his permission or invitation. Going straight to the king without his permission could have resulted in Esther's death, followed by the death of her people, right? So because, like I said, Esther was kidnapped. This is not like she was queen, but she was enslaved there right in this position she had some power as the wife of the king of persia but this was all this was forced upon her right this was not her choice to do this um so going to the king without being summoned by him uh, he had a scepter that he would point uh to allow you to speak and i mean he could have people killed very easily and people did die for going to see him without being summoned um so we're gonna read a little bit of this now we're gonna read Esther chapter 4, Esther chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And it says, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go. Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. 
When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So once Esther decided to act, here's what she did. She approached the king carefully, inviting him to a big banquet where she would make her request. And at the feast, instead of making her request, she invited the king to a second feast and promised she'd make her request then. Then the next day, the king went to Esther's second banquet, ready to hear her request. And she invited Haman as well, who's the villain in the story, right? Uh, and that's where we'll pick up in chapter 7 of Esther, uh, verses 1 through 10. And it says, So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed killed and annihilated if we had merely been sold as male and female slaves i would have kept quiet but because no such distress would justify disturbing the king king xerxes asked queen esther who is he where is he the man who has dared to do such a thing esther said an advisory and enemy this vile haman then haman was terrified before the king and queen the king got up in a rage left his wine and went out into the palace garden but haman realizing that the king had already decided his fate stayed behind to beg queen esther for his life just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall haman was falling on the couch where esther was reclining the king exclaimed will he even molest the king queen while she is with me in this house as soon as the word left the king's mouth they covered haman's face then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. So, all a lot happens in those ten, that one chapter. A lot of stuff. It's pretty intense. Um, I mean, but do you see what happens here? Haman was punished. Justice was served. Esther, Mordecai, and their people were saved. Uh, and so remember that question I told you to wonder about? Now that you've heard the story, what do you think? Where was God in the story? Where do, you, where do you think he was? Where was that involved? And don't feel bad if you miss this detail, because a lot of people do, but I think this is one of the most interesting things about the book of Esther. In this entire book of the Bible, God is never mentioned. Not once. So where was God when the Jewish people were hurting and in danger? And it's a good question. So number one, God was present. God is invisible. You've probably noticed. But just because we can't see God in this book or physically, I mean, in front of us, doesn't mean God isn't present. If you read between the lines, you can see that God is there. God never left or forgot the Jewish people. Number two, God was working. All of the Bible reveals God is always on the side of the oppressed, working for justice and against oppression. In Esther's story, Haman was the oppressor and God's people, the Jews, were the oppressed. God was working to rescue them, but all of God's work took time. And number three, God was working through Esther. We see one moment in Esther's story where God is almost mentioned. When Mordecai tells Esther what she must do, she asks Mordecai and her people to pray for her. God answered by giving her guidance and strength. Esther and God heard the cries of the Jewish people, and they both had enough but esther can never have done what she did on her own and we see god actively working through esther by placing her in a position of influence and authority long before she ever needed it or understood why she had been chosen uh 
by giving her courage in a frightening situation and by giving her creativity to solve a difficult problem. God also works through Esther by rescuing her and her people when everything seemed hopeless. Uh, But isn't it interesting that God never tells Esther exactly what to do? And as far as we know, God doesn't speak to Esther in any miraculous way or give her some grand plan, right? Esther, but Esther still knew what God would have would have her do. How? How would she know? The answer is actually pretty simple because God's directions to us have always been clear. When you see someone in need, you help them. I mean, Jesus said the same thing when he was on earth a long time after Esther. And here's uh, what one of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote to his fellow Jesus followers. So we're going to be in First John First uh, John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, uh, those two verses say, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So where is God when people are hurting? This was true in Esther's time, and it's still true for us today. God is present. God is working. God is calling you to get to work too. Think back to some of the big problems in the world we listed earlier. There's war, hunger, violence, uh, lack of clean water or medicine, and, and so much more. There's so much hurt in the world that it can begin to feel heavy on us. It can weigh on us. Um, when, when we see all the hurt in the world around us, we might feel like this, unable to see God while everything that's wrong in the world starts to feel heavier and heavier. When you feel overwhelmed by all that's wrong, it's okay to ask tough questions like where God is. But even when we can't see God working, God answers prayers. God changes circumstances. God sends people to help. And God gives peace and comfort. Sometimes it takes time, but when people are hurting, God is always present, always working, and always sending people to help. And often these people are you and me. Uh, so let me let me show you just one story of billions where at first it seems like there's complete hopelessness. Can there be any good when a little girl lives in a war zone and loses both her parents? Where is God in a story like this one? Uh, there's a short clip that we're going to watch um, of a Syrian girl named Malik. You can you can Google this, look it up, and you can find it on, on YouTube if you want to watch the clip for yourself. Um, but it, it's, uh, a Syri- it's a Syrian girl named Malik that's talking and sharing her story. Um, when there are people in need, this organi- organization has made it their mission to be the first in and the last to leave. And that is how God works in difficult situations. God is always the first one in, since God is always with us. God is always the last to leave since God never gives up on us. And in between, God is looking for willing people like Esther, like this organization that put this video together to help Malik, like you and me, to partner with in order to make wrong things right. Although our world today is very different from Esther's, we have a lot in common. Both then and now, people are persecuted, hated, or needing help because of their location on the planet, their religious beliefs, their culture, skin color, body shape, nationality, disability, physical or mental health, and there's so much more. Uh, But we don't have to feel burdened, powerless, stuck, or confused. Like Esther, we can choose to do something with the resources God has given us in order to help people who are hurting. Like Esther, maybe you are alive right now in the place you are precisely for a time like this. When people are hurting, you could help locally. 
You can find a need close to home and do something to help alleviate someone's hurt. You can work together, find out what our church is already doing, discover a local organization, or start something new. Two, you can help globally. Find a need somewhere else in the world and join the fight. Advocate, fundraise, support an organization doing great work. You don't have to do it alone. There's all kinds of places set up that are wanting more help, more volunteers. And lastly, get educated. Read a book on your own or with friends to help you learn more about the needs around you, uh, what's being done, and how you can help. It's true that there's a lot of hurt in the world. And all of that hurt can feel pretty heavy and confusing sometimes. So when people are hurting, where is God? And just remember that God is still present. God's at work behind the scenes. And like Esther discovered, God might be inviting you to get to, to work too. All right. Thanks, you guys. Just remember this week, be thinking of questions that you might have, things that you might be able to ask. I'm going to have a little thing at youth group uh, where we can put questions into. You can do it anonymously, and we're going to probably answer those on on maybe social media. I'm still working out the details on that, um, but that's probably what we'll do. Uh, And I'll see you next time.